0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: Separated your deep ball from everybody else. My deep ball,
2: it has a little secret sauce to it, man. Never get too high, never get too low,
1: but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host Zim Hude. Zim is actually gonna be in the second half of this. But hello world, how you guys doing? It's your boy Ace Boogie, fresh off of the 3110 whooping of the Pittsburgh Schoolers. That's right. We went in there, did our thing. That's three in a row now. That's three. That's three in a row. That's the three-peat. That's what I was calling it if you guys were following me on the live and everything on New Stripe City. But let me break something down for you. I feel like the Bengals, we sent Ben out right. This is the perfect way for us to send him out, right? Can't speak for any other teams on this farewell Big Ben tour. But the Cincinnati Bengals, these are his overall stats for his last three games versus the Bengals. He has a passer rating of 66.9, 751 passing yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions, one pick six, and three games against the Bengals, right? He was sacked eight times. He had a 3.6 interception rate against us. His average was 250 passing yards. He went out like a bum. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about today. But in all seriousness, Bengals versus Steelers, this is a huge win for the Cincinnati Bengals. It brings that playoff chance up to, I believe, mid-60s or something like that. Unfortunately, the Browns couldn't handle business because of State Farm Faker Mayfield wasn't able to get it done, even though he had, you know, four interceptions. From Lamar Jackson, the four piece in the biscuit. He still wasn't able to cash it in. But let's talk about the Bengals in this game, man. I think that this was something that me and Zim have been talking about and Bengal fans in general have been talking about. Right. And they they talk about us being delusional and, and this and that. Uh, but really, when you analyze the game, which is what me and Zim do, not only are we fans, we are also analysts. We break these things down. We look and deep dive into all of these things. And everything that you guys hear us talk about, we really believe in. There's no agenda. There's no I want to be right or this and that. But this is what we believed in. We felt like this whole season that this Bengals team never really played a complete game, all quarters, offense and defense. I think this was that game. And I think that's what makes this team so dangerous is when they're balling in all facets of football which you're not going to get that every time right they are pretty much one of the most unstoppable teams in the nfl and it's some people are going to say well you're just saying that because you're a Bengals fan it's true the defense let's talk about that in terms of scoring scoring holding opponents down which is the most important part of football they're in the top 10 right when you talk about the running defense which i talk about this all the time Even in the Zimmer years, even when we were a top five defense, it feels like this team is one of the best defenses that we've ever had in terms of stopping the run. Now, Pittsburgh, they like to pass a lot. So that's not a surprise. And the game got out of hand. But overall, the Bengals this season are just really trying to take the run game away. Now, we did have the Jets game. We did have the Packers game. Right. But outside of those, really, for the most part, they've been able to shut teams down in the run game. And then you look over on the offensive side and one of the weaknesses of the offense statistically was really the running game, right? There wasn't any consistency there, even from a run blocking standpoint. That was one of the issues in this game. They were just opening the floodgates and murdering the Steelers in the run game. Honestly, at one point, if they wouldn't have had to take out the starters, I think Joe Mixon would have ran for 200 yards easily. But they end up having a well put together game. Uh, very balanced. They run for 198 yards. They were getting 5.7 yards per carry passing yards. They only threw for 172, but T Higgins still had a big day, almost had a second touchdown. Uh, They were able to get 25 first downs They were very efficient uh, throughout the game. And they were able to also defensively get after Ben uh, and get him down. So we're able to get two sacks, right? They allowed three sacks from the Steelers, but they weren't too many crazy ones, right? It wasn't anything that was like the only one that I can think of that comes to mind that probably was a a bad sack is there was one where I believe Chase was running on either a slant or a drag or something like that in the end zone. Joe didn't see him because they actually sent, I believe it was like a corner or a nickelback blitz. And that was the only one that was on Joe because if he would have seen Chase, you know, he could have stood in the pocket and throw thrown that one and for for six, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, This was a complete game. You know, there was one interception thrown, and I'm not even mad about that interception, to be honest with you, because you have to take into consideration the context of when that happened, right? It's right before the half. It honestly kind of looked like a punt, and it didn't matter because Big Ben gave you a pick six the next play anyway, Um, and that's just something that this team can do. And the other scary thing is, On the offensive line, they have depth now. I heard Colin Coward talk about the Bengals don't have depth. I don't think he's familiar with the Bengals roster, right, because you talk about the offensive line depth that you have now. Like from years ago, you got guys now where you're pretty much solid um, outside of center, I'd probably say, and even center you could probably consider you still have something there right it's probably going to be a drop off and shout out to Trey Hopkins because he bought out and that was a big difference shout out to Quentin Spain; we've had him on the show that made a difference shout out to Jonah and Reef. shout out to the whole offensive line man like they really put their imprint I feel like on this game they may have been outside of Joe Mixon and, and somebody it's just a team win it, it all of these guys came to play I mean you talk about Joe Burrow yes he had the the hundred some odd yards 150 yards but look at the completion percentage that he had in this game it was insane he was on point 20 or 24 190 yards touchdown and an interception he also had the running touchdown as well so you also have to count that so that's really two touchdowns right one interception uh you also had joe mixon 28 carries 165 yards two touchdowns 5.9 yards per carry I talked about one of my bold predictions at the beginning of the season was that Joe Mixon would have 1,500 yards from scrimmage. That's not hard to see uh, because they're getting Frank Pollock back, who's been the MVP of bringing this offensive line together. And then he's also the run game coordinator. The other cool things that I saw and that I got to give kudos to is Zach Taylor and the offensive game plan. Man, what a Zach was cooking. We talk about that all the time, and if you don't know what cooking means, that means that Zach was calling that fire from a play-calling standpoint, the creativity, keeping them off balance, keeping them guessing. Zach really caught a major game. And then they also had Chris Evans out there, which you already know, me and Zim have talked about, the importance of him keeping them guessing. Um, So he also was able to get some things going in the run game and also the passing game as well. And then my man T, T. Higgins. I was never worried about T. Higgins producing right Uh, We had uh, Jamar Chase's father on the show a few episodes back. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that now. Uh, T. Higgins, six receptions, 114 yards and a touchdown. Probably should have had two touchdowns if we keep it under the buck. But this was the T. Higgins game. And one thing that I've always talked about, too, is the Bengals can potentially actually have two deep threats because T., can do those things too and i was glad that they went back to it and that's something that defenses are gonna have to account for as well uh, you also had tyler boyd uh and, and jamar chase who were able to also contribute in their own ways uh but this was a game where the Bengals had to come in and i talked about this on afc north Talk, where they could take advantage of some of the things uh, with the Steelers from a running back standpoint, and I talked about them using Chris Evans, Joe Mixon, you know, I really felt like this had to be another Joe Mixon game. They kind of combined that and balance that with uh, T and uh, Joe Mixon. So like what I saw there from a defensive standpoint, Logan Wilson continues to do his thing. B.J. Hill gets another sack. Sam Hubbard gets another major sack as well. He's on his way to 10 sacks, and then you had Trey Hendrickson as well that gets another one. So it looks to me like they actually counted three sacks for the Bengals. I don't know why they said why I said two earlier. I'm, I probably meant to say three, but those were major, right? Trey Hendrickson, I feel like I was one of and I, I can't speak for Zim or anything. He might have been on a Trey Hendrickson train as well, but I remember fighting people when they were saying, You know, Trey Henderson, it's a whole bunch of fake sacks and all of that, and I wasn't buying it. And uh, obviously, Trey Hendrickson is doing his thing, getting pressure to the quarterback, forcing turnovers. You talk about the sack fumble. These were just all kinds of things that they were putting together out here. And shout-out to Eli Apple, two weeks in a row with an interception, coming at major times, really Ben Roethlisberger on that one, going in against Chase Claypool. And that's what you just need to – kind of expect from from Eli Apple that he's that he's doing on this team like this is a team where the corners don't get many interceptions and he's already got two in the last two weeks I think you also have Cheeto with an interception but that's something that he can bring uh, from that position and you have to remember Eli Apple was a first round pick right so that means that his athleticism profile and the talent that he has the physical talent is there right Um, It's just about him putting those things together. And it's never going to be perfect, but you got to give him credit when it's due. Those are two back-to-back weeks where he was able to get a turnover. And when we talk about the depth, I talk about the offensive line a little bit earlier, the depth that they have there now with Adeniji, Carmen, Isaiah Prince. Some of these, they still have Xavier Suofilo, who I saw on the sideline. So the depth is completely different this season. Fred Johnson, like these are guys that you have backing them up. Uh, And then uh, when you look at the cornerback room and me as them talked about that, you know, you got Vernon Hargraves like Darius Phillips is really like your sixth corner. And last year he was starting for you. Right. So there is depth there. So when Cower was talking about the Bengals don't have depth, I'm like, what is what is he even talking about when it comes to that standpoint? Right. Um, this team is healthy at the right time. They've got a lot of depth in different areas. They were able to get Trey Flowers out there. They can do so many different things defensively with their personnel where you can put a taller corner like Trey Flowers out there in the slot and do some things. And then once you get Vernon Hargraves back, who didn't play in this game, there's going to be more that you can do there because he can play outside and inside. You still got Mike Hilton. You still have all of these guys that are doing their thing. And Cheeto, as I said from day one, is is a guy that I felt like was going to be one of the underrated signings and people were going to look back and say, you know, this was an amazing signing for them. Cheeto is playing at a high level as well. Uh, so when you look at it from that standpoint, the way that the defense is playing, the way that special teams are playing, the Bengals are really looking like a very good team. And, you know, from a – the coaching game plan is working at the same time. So looking ahead to the Chargers game, This is going to be a great matchup, I think, for both teams. The Chargers are another team. They don't really like to run the ball that much, right? So you're going to have to get tested vertically against that passing offense. And you really have to worry about Kenan Allen and Mike Williams. Obviously, Austin Eckler is a guy that can uh, hurt you in the passing game. We saw what he did to the Steelers. So that's another guy that they have to keep their eye on. Uh, But this is one of the games where if they can really win this one, it's really going to propel them. Into I think a different hemisphere as far as uh, this team and what the what the uh, what the uh, the limit is on this team because this is a a Chargers team that just lost a major one and they're fighting for essentially their playoff berth as well so this is going to kind of be a playoff game for them so if we can match that intensity I think this is something that is very important and they're not really good against the run so this could be another game where the Bengals are giving you a high dose of mixing. And they could take a page out of the Steelers game where it's a mix of that run balance with the actual passing thing. Now, the other thing is, the one thing is, do they want this to be Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert? Or do they want this to be a game plan where they win? Uh, Hopefully they can do a little bit of both. You got to think, though, that Joe wants the smoke with Justin Herbert. Uh, But we'll have to see how this game plan goes coming into this game. We're probably going to do a little bit more of a preview later this week. But so far, man, I think that this is going to be a great matchup for the Bengals. I think that it's going to be an exciting one. I can't wait to see what the Bengals do. The Steelers thing, I just feel like obviously we love whooping the Steelers no matter what, right? But are they even – is this game even relevant anymore? Does it even hold the weight that it used to in the past – Um, And it's funny to say that as Bengals fans because the Steelers were the ones that always looked at our rivalry and said that it wasn't a rivalry and it wasn't, you know, we weren't relevant and, you know, they were just focused on the Ravens and all of that. Now I think we can return the favor to them. Is that even relevant? Is the game even relevant anymore? I don't even think that it is. Of course, we love it because of the history behind it. But this Chargers game is more relevant than that Squillers game. And that's how I feel. I'm going to leave it up to my man Zim to come back and and chop the second half of this up. But thank you guys for listening. I am Ace Boogie. You guys can find me at New Stripe City on YouTube. You can also find me on Twitter at New Stripe City. And definitely be sure to to copy some of these hoodies, man. Zim has the Zimhooday.com hoodie. Go get your Burrow Babies joint there. Also, shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue. Go ahead and head over there and make sure you get you some wings in you. Make sure that you get some of that Arnold Palmer sweet tea that they have over there. They're doing a lot of things. Brisket, pulled pork. If you guys eat that, ribs, all kind of stuff. Um, So definitely be sure to check them out. Actually, I think they got rid of the ribs, but they also have ice cream, too. Don't sleep on the ice cream. I'm telling you, don't sleep on the ice cream. Uh, but shout out to the folks at Midwest Best Barbecue. Please be able to make sure you stop by there, 669 Justice Court in Loveland, Ohio. Check them out. And of course, I'm going to leave you guys with a who day all day, every day, and especially on Sunday.
2: Hello, world. It is me. This is none other than the guy, Zim Hude. You're rocking with the best Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm um, doing my segment for this portion of it. Just recapping the Bengals game for the most part. We've seen it. You saw it. 41 to 10. Can't talk about anything other than the fact that I think we came into this game thinking that we were a lot better than the Steelers and we actually proved it. And a lot of people had a lot of angst or a lot of different jitters or uh, preconcep- preconceived like notions that somehow T.J. Watt and... Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick comes back and wins football games. And like I was telling Ace beforehand, it kind of goes back to our philosophical um, conversations that we would have on constructing a football team. Yes, T.J. Watt is good the same way Chase Young is good, right? They go into these – and and when you say that, they're really good and they're game changers. But when you're constructing a football team, it all starts at the mainframe in the the quarterback – And you're only as strong as your leader. And coming into the game, I don't care what Ben did. I rewatched the games coming into it. I think a lot of people, I caught a lot of flack online and on Twitter saying that I was being really, really confident. There's the Steelers. I've seen it before. Talked to a lot of different, uh, what I consider comrades or other um, media members, all, all types of people that had a lot of different paws coming into this game. But One of the games I remember I watched in full was the Steelers versus the Lions. And I know it was really inclement weather and there were a lot of different things against them. But you had to walk out of that game as a Steelers fan, not just a football fan, and just saying that was some of the worst football I've ever seen play. Even Even if Mason Rudolph doesn't play, I just don't see how anyone could say that that's a legit football team. All the way through, the same way that you saw the Bengals win 41-10 to this past Sunday, is the same team that I saw playing the Lions. The only difference is the Lions didn't have anything to capitalize on all the, the crazy mistakes that the Steelers made throughout the game. And to me, when you lose a game, or in that instance, you tie a game in that fashion to the worst team, a winless team, It starts the conversation on uh, restarting this thing or revamping the whole system. What do we need to change? And they didn't change anything. They just came back and relied on health. And so then I go back to the Chargers game. So I rewatched that game two times before I went to Twitter and just decided to go crazy and talk trash about the Steelers. Every single point that they got was handed to them, especially in the second half. The only time that they were given a chance to go to length of the football field and score, and because in a short field setting and momentum, with you know guys like Deontay Johnson in a condensed field, those are really tricky guys, and those are easy ways to you know like scheme up different things, and it's really tough to beat those type of players in those in those type of situations. And as long as you don't put them in those type of situations, I think you can always win those type of games. And that was my key coming into the game. When the Bengals had to have a long field, I'm sorry, the Steelers had to have a long field and drive the length of the field, they failed. Ben was sacked uh, three consecutive times. They ended up with a fourth and 32. They couldn't convert. Game was over. That was Steelers versus the Chargers. So going into this game, I knew all they had to do was keep them and make them drive the whole entire length of the field. And as we saw time and time again, their third down options – They're different go-to plays or flats and different things that they have because they don't have the array of packages on display. And that's not to say that the the Steelers don't have viable options at their skill positions. They don't have a general to get them the ball. So there's only but so much you can do in the National Football League from a defensive standpoint. T.J. Watt at 100%. We just showed you the week prior when we played the Raiders that we can handle a guy that – that is responsible for more pressures, a guy that is responsible um, for more mayhem from a, from a duels aspect. When you pair that up with and and we, the Bengals went into that game and they, and they handled that. And, and the, the first quarter was a little shaky in that Raiders game, but they came back and they did everything that they had to do. Like good offensive lines do. None of this is going to be perfect. Peter Schrager had a, a segment today earlier on good morning football. And he said, you know what? The Bengals made this thing happen, and they did it really quick from a front office standpoint. They got the correct free agents, and their offensive line is playing really, really well. And people need to buy into the fact that these things change really, really quick. And it's always one team a year, and this year is just the Cincinnati Bengals. But if you're not following these moves or anything like that, the number one comments I would get online is, oh, the Bengals, how are they going to protect Joe Burrow? I'm, in my mind, I'm like, that's the least of our worries. The least of our worries is, how are we going to stop Najee out in flats like we did in the first game, knowing what we know about what happened in the Mike White game? And and to me, I started going down my list of my matchups, and I couldn't find a matchup that, if I'm a Steelers fan, I liked. And if I was just relying on T.J. Watt or I'm relying on uh, Mika Fitzpatrick to come back, With the trio of weapons that we have at the wide receiver position, Chris Evans coming out of the backfield, Joe Mixon running like how he's running, that's just a really, really bad matchup for a really bad team. And I just thought the lack of respect for the Bengals was on high display this past week because you couldn't have watched any of those games and thought that this team could do anything with the Bengals. And if you followed the Bengals, you would have saw how they lost the Browns game. In every, every team, every franchise, every fan has a story on why they lost a game. But you truly had to watch the Jets game and say the Bengals offensively did everything that they're supposed to do. The Browns game, uh, Nick Chubb had the 75-yard run, but what did he do after that? Did the Bengals stop him? He had a total of 130 yards. He ran for 75. You know, like, so if you get out of this casual motion of watching, um, you know, just the box score and stuff, then – I think you'll start to follow these games a lot closer and follow it and figure out who's the best team. I posed the question before the game, who's the most balanced team? Prior to uh, to Derrick Henry getting hurt, I probably would have said, hey, look, the Titans are a balanced team. But Derrick Henry out, A.J. Brown out, Julio Jones out, they're not as balanced. The Patriots, are they balanced? Sure. But has Mac Jones ever had to win them a football game? The Chargers, they have a hard time running the football in between the tackles. They're going to attack the perimeters. They're one of the more balanced teams that you're going to see. And so coming into the game, I just thought we're more balanced and they don't have these different ways to win on defense. They don't have these different ways to win on offense. This is, this is you know, you got to go back and go look at the Steelers' Games and go see. So even at the beginning of the game, Joe Burrow runs for the the scramble. He gets the touchdown. Jukes out uh, uh, Fitzpatrick. I think that sends the signal to everybody, like, hey, we're on high display. Or Joe Burrow is not only a pocket passer, he's also going to get mobile. We go into the next impact play, Eli Apple interception. Eli Apple catches the interception, goes uh, almost takes a house. But in that play, I think we got a good look at uh, with Ben Roethlisberger's arm. He tries to go back shoulder. Claypool runs, outruns the pass. But it's a clear indication, hey, even if you try to pick on our, our on our worst uh, line or cornerback, who's been balling? Eli Apple's been balling. If you go to try to pick on him, this is what happens. So you don't have the matchup that you thought you could maybe exploit. So that went sour for him. Then they come back. T. Higgins touchdown, right? On the T. Higgins touchdown, what did Mike Tomlin say before the game? Oh, we're going to shade covers to Jamar Chase because we're not letting off anything big. Okay, cool. Uh, Tyler Boyd takes a, 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 a 10 in um, uh, or inside post. 10 yards in, he's wide open. Uh, T. Higgins one-on-one with his man. Jamar Chase is out there, but he's got the cover shaded over that way. So you know what Joe Burrow's going to do. He's going to go hit T. Higgins. He goes and hits it. Then after that, it's, it's just Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon. You get a Mike Hilton um, pick six against his old team. And, you know, like the all the things that you saw pregame, pre, you know, pre before this game, they're all on display. Like every single fault, every single matchup that you thought you could exploit, anything that you were banking on, it all got exposed. I, I told everybody prior to the game, T.J. White has missed games. He's at the top of the league with pressures. Cool, cool. I get it. But that's one man. Hightower and TJ White aren't, to me, the level of Ndokwe and Max Crosby. And I just defeated you the week prior. I said they need to worry about by most most metrics have Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard at twenty-eight pressures per. So, I was like, they need to pre- watch that. Because, like I said, the Chargers game prior, when they had to go to for the football field and had to pass the football, we saw what happened. So, if I get you in a passing situation, Sammy Hubbard and Trey Henderson are going to go crazy. Trey Henderson gets the strip sack, and it is what it is. You know, like, and everything that we said was going to happen then came to fruition. And before you know it, the game's 41-3, backups are in the game. Nobody should be looking at this game as though, like, this is some some abnormal thing or anything like that because once we blew out uh, the Vikings, I mean, I'm sorry, not the Vikings, once we blew out the Ravens, uh, I think everybody should have been on high alert at that point then, but for whatever reason, they weren't. Joe Burrow was the highest graded quarterback in Week 12 at a 91.9 nobody's putting up numbers like this and the efficiency of joe burrow out of everybody that's in the that's in the mvp race joe burrow if you want to include him which i probably wouldn't include him is the most efficient passer at 69 not even tom brady has that so a lot of these other guys that have the maybe more yards or so currently right now they're not throwing at a higher and more efficient rate and factor that into the last two weeks Joe Burrow hasn't had to really throw that much. He just spent the whole fourth quarter on the bench as well. So there's so many different things that we could point to if you don't watch the game. If you go into the Chargers game as a Charger fan and then say, well, Joe Burrow doesn't really throw as many points, I mean, throw as many yards. And keep in mind, Joe Burrow's on pace to smash every rookie, you know, like, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the 4,200-yard record and all these different yard records and all these different things that are going on, he's on pace just to do that. And it might not be at the top of the league, but the efficiency currently right now is at a high level. Some of the quarterbacks that a lot of people value just as much have 10 interceptions. Joe Burrow has 12. I hate the fact that he threw one in this one. Mika Fitzpatrick makes a really good play. Um, I did want to go back to this one, too. This is a really good stat, and I thought about Trey Hendrickson. No, he's not T.J. Watt, but Trey Hendrickson has forced three turnovers by pressure against the Steelers, becoming the first player to have three-plus since week 13 of 2020. No defender has generated a higher pressure rate on more QBPs than Hendrickson in 2021. That's 53 pressures. He's tied for second. His pressure rate is at 18.5, which is first in the National Football League. Turnovers caused by pressure, five. He's tied for first. Sacks at 10.5. He's tied for fifth. If you follow PFF, they even have him charted at 12 sacks. NFL has him charted at 10.5 because PFF really looks into these plays. So moving forward, people ask me, "What's, what's next, Zim? What's next is complete domination of the division and taking this thing by the throne and because the it, because the timing is right, it doesn't mean that the Bengals have to be the greatest football team you've ever seen, but a life is a lot about timing going through the window when it's open. the window is currently open, the air's flowing through and I'm ready to go and ride the wings of Joe Burrow to a Super Bowl perhaps if you look at the landscape of the AFC as I just outlined to you before this game I mean before this pod and as I went through the pod. In this test coming up with Justin Herbert, there are matchups I do not like for the Bengals. Unlike the Steelers, you probably won't see me talking too much trash. There are different matchups from Derwin James' coverage ability, his hit ability, um, his, his his ability to not follow quarterbacks' eyes. Everything that I loved about Derwin James coming out of uh, college is now there. And he's making plays. He had an amazing interception last week against the Broncos. I went back and watched the Broncos and Chargers game. They were a victim of a lot of different penalties, and the Broncos did outplay him, but Justin Herbert, it wasn't his fault, and that's not a good thing. Going into this game, you want Justin Herbert to be playing like complete trash, and I'm here to tell you he's not. Keenan Allen, to me, is the best route runner outside of Devontae Adams in the National Football League. So if you think that you're just going to go one-on-one with Awuzie with him and he gets 13 to 15 targets, like I've been saying, they should be giving Jamar Chase those type of numbers that's on That's on the way. But the one thing that they do is line them up on the same size as Austin Eckler and they'll force you to make a decision. Do you want to follow Keenan Allen? And if you do, are you going to trust your linebacker out there in the flat? Are you going to pull a three-look three safety to come up there and make a move, bust a move, and think you could do something with Austin Eckler in space? There's many that have tried, and not too many are successful. I need to go back and watch the Chargers and Ravens game because that was a complete thrashing as well. So we'll go check that one out too. Um, Another thing is, like, if you go and pay too much attention to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams has been one of the best deep ball threats in the National Football League this year the one of the bigger matchups that I do like perhaps though is the Chargers run defense. Joe Mixon being the hottest running back in football is no slouch, there is no there's no BS about it. He's coming like a Mack truck He's coming to run over everybody in his face. This is the north. This is the winter. We're coming to pound. We're putting it on the ground and beat you in that way. If you dare step up and put more than eight in that box, I'll flame you all across the field. I'll catch you Chris Evans coming out the backfield. I'll give you T. Higgins with hella smoke. One-on-one. Don't you dare put me in a one-on-one situation on the outside. So on both sides – There's so many different matchups to look forward to. I wish it was flexed to a primetime game because Joe Burrow's greatest gift to earth will be his primetime appearances, his playoff appearances, and what he does when the magic is happening. Somebody hit me today and said, I'm worried about the picks. I'm, I'm worried about Joe Burrow making a decision. You ain't never seen Joey be in the playoffs, have you? Here I come.